Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our podcast studio, Jared Metz. Jared has had many careers, beginning with English professor and returning to it after two and a half decades in 2002. He taught creative writing at the University of Minnesota, Webster University, which is in St. Louis, I believe. Yes, yes. it is. And also Coker University here in Hartsville, South Carolina. Uh, we've already talked and we prefer Coker College, but we'll say Coker, <laughs> Coker University nowadays. Um, he is the author of six poetry books and six prose books, and his latest book is Bellicor Tunnel, The Crowning Battle of the Great War. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you here. So uh, give our listeners a little overview <coughs> of your book, and also this is a sequel to another book of yours, The right. Angel of Mons. Right. Well, this book came about as a result of The Angel of Mons. You can tell by the title with the word angel Mm -hmm. that that book in particular contained angels. As I was finishing writing the book in in 2013, Mm -hmm. it occurred to me that it would be natural to see what soldiers in particular from South Carolina were involved in at the end of the war. That's when soldiers, Americans went into the war. It was Mm -hmm. 1917, Mm -hmm. and uh, they were... The, the soldiers, it turns out, from South Carolina that I found uh, were engaged in a battle that was of great significance in the war. So as I began planning the book, I knew that there were characters I was going to carry over from the uh, Angel of Mons, mm-hmm. including uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes, Winston Churchill, and the main soldier from that book is a soldier by the name of Tommy Atkins. Mm -hmm. He becomes the main character in the second book. So I knew from the start that I would find some way to uh, engage these characters and have them in the second novel as well. Mm -hmm. Since there were also angels in the Angel of Mons, and they were directly related to all these people, it also made sense to to carry on the convention of of angelic intervention. Mm So that's how this book came about. I, I knew that I wanted to have soldiers from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So I went to talk to Joe Long at uh, the Conf- uh, South Carolina Confederate Relic and Military Museum. Mm-hmm. We knew each other. I knew Fritz Hammer as well mm-hmm. and said, who should I look for? So he designated, he took me right out of, it to, out of his office to a cabinet. Mm-hmm. He said, these are your soldiers, hmm. 30th Division. What distinguished them from other Americans fighting was that they were fighting under British command, Mm. one of two divisions in the war that were not fighting at uh, Moose Argonne, but fighting at uh, another battle. Mm -hmm. So that was the idea. I also knew that I was going to be incorporating historical information directly into the novel about what led up to the war, what actually happened in the war and what happened to these soldiers in that particular battle. So those were the components that I knew I was going to be mixing together Mm -hmm. to create this work of imagination. I call it a fantasia. Mm -hmm. And whatever that word means (laughs) or whatever it conveys is basically what the book is. It's Mm -hmm. a mixing of the divine but in very unusual 
uh, forms mm -hmm. and these, sol these particular soldiers fighting in this particularly significant battle. Well, you've already got me intrigued. <laughs> Great. <laughs> tell, tell our listeners a little bit about Bellicor Tunnel. What, what is it and, and what was uh, the importance of that battle? <clears throat> Here is its significance. Uh, there was, a, the, the Germans developed a part of the entire Western Front called the Hindenburg Line. The, mm -hmm. the British called it the Hindenburg Line. Mm -hmm. 90 miles of front. A good part of that didn't require any, any defense at all. It was along a canal that went from, from the north in a city called Cambrai to about 35 miles south, a town called Saint-Quentin or Saint-Quentin. Mm. That was impassable, and it was something that needed to be gotten across in order to, to really develop uh, an inroad into the, the German lines. Mm -hmm. As it happened, there was a tunnel, a canal, built under a three-mile-long plateau mm -hmm. at a town called Bellicor. Mm -hmm. The tunnel that went, went under the canal was, had, had a variety of names, but its prominent, its main name was Bellicor Tunnel. Mm -hmm. So here was a three-mile-wide passage of plateau ground, farmland, and it was the most heavily defended portion of the entire 90, 90 miles of the Hindenburg Line. Mm -hmm. It was, it encompassed the entire three mile width of the plateau itself and came out in front of that plateau into land in front of it and behind it mm -hmm. to a thickness of five miles of the most heavily fortified um, portion of, of the line. Mm -hmm. um, and geographically speaking, where what area are we in? We are in northeast France. Okay, so near the Belgian border? Near, it's about 35 miles south of the Belgian border. Okay. In a, 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 part of France called Picardy, okay. Picardy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, so th a small town, but this was the place where, where the allies were going to have to cut through. By a set of unusual circumstances, because it seems like almost every circumstance in war is unusual, mm -hmm. instead of this battle being planned f for the uh, spearhead to be experienced Australian soldiers. Instead, the 30th Division, mm -hmm. South Carolinians to a large extent, and their companion division, the 27th, made up exclusively of New Yorkers, mm. were put to spearhead the attack. The idea was to break the Hindenburg Line. Mm -hmm. The climax of, of the battle is August 29th, 1918, and the soldiers who I selected, uh, in a novel, you know, I, I'm talking about the 30th Division, that's 30,000 men. You don't write a novel about 30,000 people. <laughs> it got down to, I was able to decide on the basis of who other characters were, that I would use Vickers machine gun teams, mm -hmm. two of them, mm -hmm. to be selected. They're selected not by their officers, but 
by divine decree. Mm. And they are all from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So these 12 soldiers, the two teams of six, some are going to fight underground in the tunnel itself. Mm-hmm. Some are going to fight on the ground and be the ones who actually are the ones who cross the Hindenburg line. Mm-hmm. Crossing that line was of great, so it's, there's more to it than just crossing a line. Sure. Mm-hmm. There were days of battle in preparation. There were days of battle that followed. But this day was the day that marked essentially the, be- the beginning or the beginning of another beginning of the end of the war. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think is really interesting is that you're able to take all of these historical facts yes and at the same time weave in uh, the uh, all the fictional aspects and how do you yeah. wh- how do you go about that process what's your writing process oh, like that part of it I just uh, I pray that something will come to me <laughs> it just comes to you that's, that's well, a it good. Takes, there's a lot of cogitation that goes on mm-hmm. but I don't think it's at that level of thinking things through beyond mm-hmm. a certain point. Sure. So it's the, like you're doing your research yeah. on these historical facts, right. and then somehow that story comes well, to you? There's that's part of it. I do did make some—I'll give you an example of a few decisions I made. Mm-hmm. One was—one uh, of the things that I look for in my research is memoirs, mm. accounts— directly from soldiers themselves. Okay. And at least two, well, at, at least one made its way in here, and it's a very bizarre thing. Uh, so that, I knew that that memoir was going to make its way. So this was going to happen to somebody. Mm-hmm. I also had a couple of items from, I collect a fair amount of paper ephemera. Mm-hmm. And I had two pieces that I knew I wanted to have make their way into the book also. One was a book called 100 Games of Solitaire, Mm -hmm. a little pamphlet on paper that's rag and deteriorating. So I wanted one character to somehow have that be part of his uh, experience in the war. Mm. Another was a book called The Master Book of Dreams with hundreds in alphabetical order Mm -hmm. of, of a whole variety of things that a person could interpret, use to interpret a dream. Mm -hmm. Much of it was just cockeyed nonsense, really. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What happens, what it means if you dream of Zweibach, Hmm. the the dry toast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) What happens if you dream of a Zulu Hmm. or a zebra? Hmm. (laughs) It was very crazy. (laughs) <laughs> so I knew I wanted some character to be assigned to that. Okay. And so I know these elements were going to be there. Mm-hmm. I knew I would be working in scenes with Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes, um, and the other characters I mentioned, mm-hmm. Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of research and invention. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things happen along the way that are, are wonderful surprises the book begins with an ep- with epigraphs, and mm-hmm. one of them is a quotation from 
uh, Sherlock Holmes, no, uh, from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Mm -hmm. So I knew I wanted to find out where Conan Doyle was on the day of the battle. Mm -hmm. That's, I wanted to know where all the characters were on the day of the battle. Mm -hmm. So I went to the, I spent a fair amount of time at the uh, Thomas Cooper. Mm -hmm. I knew there'd be a big section on Conan Doyle. And that's the University of South Carolina's library. Yes, Mm -hmm. ran my finger down and came to a book called Adventures and Memories. I took it out and like any researcher does, looked at the copyright date, Mm -hmm. 1924. Mm. If it had been before 1918, I would know what, no use Mm -hmm. for what I'm doing. Next thing you do is go to the table of contents. Mm -hmm. I ran my finger down and came to a chapter titled Breaking the Hindenburg Line. Conan Doyle was present at this battle. Really? As a reporter, propagandist, commentator, mm-hmm. historian. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the book begins with an epigraph from him, and you can see how exciting it, it was for me to find that he was actually there. Mm-hmm. I had not expected to see any more actual operations of the war. But early in September 1918, I had an intimation from the Australian government that I might visit their section of the line. Little did I think that this would lead me to see the crowning battle of the war. Hmm. That's interesting. Very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think, actually, isn't, don't you have a picture of him in here? Yes. There are pictures of him and his brother-in-law, pictures of his brother-in-law alone. Mm -hmm. One of the things that distinguishes this book from most novels, or I don't know if I've seen it in a novel, Mm -hmm. but it includes a lot of authentic photographs Mm -hmm. of the people, not so much the people, only a few, but... Uh, of the battlefield, Mm -hmm. the tunnel, what it was like from the German side of the canal, Mm -hmm. what it was like from the Allied side of the canal, what it was like seen uh, with an aerial view taken by uh, an airplane, a reconnaissance plane that had flown over the day before. And in fact, as we were talking a little bit earlier, but one of the images that popped out on me, which is on page 52, uh, the vast fields of barbed wire at the the Bellicor Plateau, and you can just see, just you know, if you think about kind of like a maybe a wheat field would look like, but with all of these posts with barbed wire going through, and it looks like they just go on and on forever. Yeah, I had personally, I had a conception in my mind of what this barbed wire must have been like in front of the trenches. Mm -hmm. Then I saw this. And then you know exactly. It was a completely different understanding Mm -hmm. of how how important a defensive item Mm -hmm. barbed wire was and what an obstacle to anybody having to advance through it. Yep, yep. Amazing. It really is. Um, well, tell us a little bit about how you first got interested in this kind of subject. So, uh, have you always had an interest in military history? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in 1978, I bought a book that was popular at the time called The Book of Lists. This was done by the same family who had done 
I think something called the People's Almanac. Mm. It's, it's all an accumulation of hundreds of kinds of lists. Mm-hmm. I got to page 407, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was titled, I think, Apparitions or Ghosts. Mm-hmm. And I was reading down. There was various accounts, and I came to one called The Angel of Moans. Mm. And in that meaty paragraph was given an account in which uh, it was claimed that 5,000 British and German soldiers had seen angels descend from the heaven at Mons, led by St. George, and the activity of the angels repelled the advance of the Germans who were on the verge of annihilating the British expeditionary force in one one fell swoop. Hmm. So that paragraph. Mm-hmm, that caught your eye. <laughs> I, as soon as I read that, I said, someday I'm going to write that story. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen right away. I had other books that I wrote along the way. Mm-hmm. And between books, I would do, I would do a, a bit of research. Mm-hmm. I have to say that libra- libra- libraries made it possible for me to write these books without libraries. Uh, St. Louis Public Library, the State Library, uh, Richland County Library, Thomas Cooper Library, the Bruckley Collection of World Great War material. I wouldn't have been able to write these books. So you're a fan of libraries? I would say. <laughs> Plus, I also I also like the idea of the interlibrary loan. Oh system. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it means that uh, essentially any book in any there's some parameter what the libraries are, mm-hmm. but any library that part takes part in this mm-hmm. is a place where I can get a book. Yeah, it's amazing. That's a great way to think about it because you know yeah. we we who work in libraries don't necessarily you know think of it as it's just a daily occurrence for uh-huh. us. You know, but I can see someone who is doing this <laughs> level of research. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you, there's might be one. Um, small publication that might be even in a foreign library, and it could be that that foreign library would be willing to right, learn it. Right, yeah. Know? Well, I, I got a lot of books on interlibrary loan for well, not only this book, but The Angel, and also for the Halley's Comet book. Okay. Without the Library of Congress, uh-huh. that book would not exist. Yeah. Uh, in a real sense, mm-hmm. I had s- the best luck I could ever imagine mm-hmm. in being led to the research librarian who was doing a bibliography of every book, e- every reference to Halley's Comet in the entire Library of Congress. That's a pretty intense bibliography. It turned out to be <laughs> two volumes. Wow. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. When I finished with it, I had scanned, I had looked through. 3,500 of those tissue paper cards. Oh, wow. That's crazy. That was recent. Without that, <laughs> I wouldn't have had my book. You must be very patient. <laughs> well, it was very easy to go through the uh-huh. through the little cards and pick out the 350 I needed and then zero- copy all that stuff. Wow. Oh, it was like five days in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, libraries like to hear that because that's what oh, we're yeah. there for, you know. I know, and I probably, I'm sure I appreciate libraries more than the average mm-hmm. library goer, but mm-hmm. I'm always pleased to see people 
checking books out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stacks of books. Yep, yep. And, you know, right now with summer reading going on, there are kids in all kinds of libraries checking out tons yeah, of books. That's, and that's always nice to see, too. To me, that, well, obviously, of all the arts, to me, the written word in long form mm-hmm. is the way that I really have come to love to tell stories mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and to cause my imagination to create things that, thank goodness, it popped up with that idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's really a neat process. Um, so tell us a little bit about the publisher for this book. I think you kind of have something to do with it. It's called Singing Bone yeah, Press. Yeah, Singing Bone Press has had two lives. It's, it's in its Phoenix stage, I would say. <laughs> It existed from 1974 to 1984. Mm-hmm. I was in charge of selecting the writing that was going to be published. And then two artists, very well-known artists, uh, were in charge of the production of the books. Mm-hmm. The idea was we would do one book a year, 101 copies of that book, mm-hmm. and it would be a book that required enough activity so that it would take a year to produce it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. So it went to sleep after those 10 years. Mm-hmm. And by a set of circumstances, I knew that I didn't have the time to, to find a, an agent and publisher for the Angel of Mons. Mm-hmm. And I knew that enough had changed in the world of publishing so that uh, what was then called Create Space and Print on Demand yeah, uh-huh, I remember that. was something that I could use to, to publish that book. Mm-hmm. As, so, so that was the idea. I was going to publish that book. And then one thing led to another. And over the, since 2013 or 14, mm-hmm. the press has published 20 books. Wow. by world-famous writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's, the press is, is one of those things that exists only on, uh, in the internet, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All the publishing is done uh, over the internet. Um, sales are mostly done the same way. Mm-hmm. And the press produces really first-class lovely books Mm -hmm. all the publishing is is by invitation so every book that's been published the press has invited the the writer to submit the book with the understanding actually beforehand that the book is going to be published Mm -hmm. it's not send it for our our consideration right 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 we know the person well enough to know Mm -hmm. If this is a book you want published, mm-hmm. we will be happy to to do it. And you don't think of publishers operating that way. You know, usually you think of someone, if they're a writer or they, you know, want to get their first book published or their first novel published, they are, they're pounding the pavement. You know, they're sending yeah. out, you know, stuff to different publishers all the time. I'm, sh- I'm sure that's how it is. Yeah, I'm sure that's how it is. We are, I, I don't know enough about the entire world of <laughs> small press publishing, mm-hmm. but this is how the people who were working on this, uh, this f- revised version of the press mm-hmm. decided they wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's produced a, a really f- uh, wonderful books, and uh, I really s- 
I read them in great detail. Mm -hmm. I'm what's called the acquisitions editor for the okay. press. Yeah, so I'm not the publisher. I'm not the editor. Mm -hmm. I'm not the marketing <laughs> director. <laughs> I work on taking what's sent and mm -hmm. seeing it into, into physical form. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, I know a lot of times I have this conversation with authors about uh, how they came up with the title of a book. Do you as a publisher ever provide suggestions yeah. to someone about how they should title their book? I would say uh, I can only think of two cases and one I'm working with the, the this man was the first poet laureate of the state of Missouri hmm. and he, he was not not uh, he hadn't come up with a title so I sent him a bunch of suggestions no it's mm -hmm. it's rare that those things happen mm -hmm, mm -hmm. usually whatever uh, these authors submit not only do they submit the title but they'll have the cover material the blurbs mm -hmm. that's what's that's pretty much what's expected now. As I, I guess that's not really the case. Mm -hmm. I know enough about these people to know that the decisions they make about what their cover is going to look, <clears throat> look like mm -hmm. <clears throat> and what's going to be said about their book, they know, they know enough so that their decisions will be good ones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's exactly. a nice position to be in. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of the people I work with, they and all, myself as well. I've had many books published with other publishers, and I've been very fortunate. I've had publishers who've been extremely helpful in having everything turn out exactly right. They hire editors. Mm -hmm, sure. Um, the press hires editors for the prose books, but not for the poetry books. Mm -hmm. So it really, I've been very fortunate. I haven't had any encounters but with publishers where there was any dispute between me or them. But I know a lot of writers and things fall apart. Mm -hmm. uh, people end up with books that are an insult to them mm -hmm. or have horrifying <laughs> covers. Right. So, but I don't, it's it's part of the small publishing world, I think, mm -hmm, not the mm -hmm, big publishing mm -hmm. world. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, before we wrap up, I wanted to get back to um, your character of Tommy Atkins. Could you tell us maybe a little bit about how you came up with him, or what you what piece of research maybe triggered him? Right. Uh, well, by name, to people who know the way. Um, soldiers, privates in particular, are designated by different armies. Mm -hmm. In the British Army, a private is a Tommy Atkins. Mm -hmm. So all privates are Tommy Atkins. In a way, therefore, he represents all, all people of his rank. Mm -hmm. I ran across a, a memoir by a, po by a, a person who never moved beyond the rank of, of Lance Corporal, mm -hmm. fought the entire four wars, uh, four years of the war. Mm -hmm. The name of his book is from Mons to, to Cambrai. Mm. Those, so those were two battles he fought in at opposite ends of the war, the mm -hmm. beginning, the end. And he became, in a lot of ways, the model for me of mm -hmm. the poor set-upon guy, mm -hmm. never advanced. Mm -hmm. But he became, in the Angel of Mons, the one who survives 
to beyond his his um, his comrades. Mm. They all were killed. Oh, okay. He survives, and he is actually the he's the speaker of the last chapter mm. of the book. Mm-hmm. So now it's four years later. What I knew I wanted to have him be a character. Mm-hmm. He was with a Vickers machine gun, so these were ne- he was now going to be having to train these men in uh, the Lewis gun. So he is their the lead instructor. Mm-hmm. But he is also the person in the earlier novel, in this one, who was a, a, a bunch of these men were uh, were made into. Um, they were called the golden arrows of God, the golden mm-hmm. arrows of God. Mm-hmm. That gives them their standing throughout the book so that they can be in touch with angels. Mm-hmm. So he's there now, still a golden angel of God, the only one, a golden arrow of God, mm-hmm. the only one we know to exist. And so he brings this brotherhood to these American soldiers mm-hmm. who have the singular role of being the ones individually who will be at the climax of the story. Mm. They will be the ones who will break, cross the Hindenburg line. Mm. So he's there for dramatic purposes, but he's also there to forward the story. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's, I mean, the whole time you're explaining all of this, I'm thinking back to the word, the Fantasia kind of sense, and you know, but there's this military history and there's so much research that is is going on for you to, you know, weave the story like you've done. And I I think it, you know, certainly makes, like uh, Fritz Hamer said, Metz tells the story of World War One in a new, captivating way. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of people who are interested in military history, but maybe want a, something a little bit different, yes. you know, would certainly be interested in in this. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, as we wrap up, what other kind of projects do you have coming up? Well, I'm spending this uh, this book finished in May, mm-hmm. and my agreement with myself was that I would be involved in other activities involving publication of other books of mine that have not not been published yet mostly Mm -hmm. books of poetry Mm -hmm. so I'm going to it might take it could easily take a year just sending them around to publishers as you were describing Uh it (laughs) I'll be in that that side of the 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 publishing world too Uh just sending it out getting rejections maybe somebody will pick it up Mm -hmm. And um, seeing to the sale and promotion of the books that the press has already uh, published. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to spend a good part of this year learning social media. Oh, yeah. That's what the press requires of me now. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to know it so we can get people to read these amazing books. Yep, yep, because it, you know, it is amazing how many millions if not billions of people are on Facebook and Instagram and yep. Twitter and yep. it really is a, a way to get a following and yep. to build an audience and right. um, you know get the link out there so that people can click on it and that's right buy and learn more right um, so in fact we will have a link to your website on the um, podcast page and that's jaredmetz.com and it's j-e-r-r-e-d-m-e-t-z.com right 
Great. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. I enjoyed this a lot. Glad to have you here. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is librarievoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. Until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.